0: You're listening to the pulpit ministry of North Life Baptist Church with Pastor Harley Snowd. At North Life Baptist Church, our mission is to encourage each person to take the steps of loving God, growing together, and serving others. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.northlife.church. Now, stay tuned for today's message.
1: Good morning. Good morning. It is our privilege to have a first responder appreciation day. And we're so thankful for those of you who are first responders. Uh, stop in and, and join us. We do it because we love you. We care about you. This church prays for you. And whatever we can do to minister to you, we want to. And uh, so it just warms my heart to see all of you, would say smiling faces, but there's not too much of that. But uh, love you guys. Uh, And whether you're dispatchers, whether you're medics, first responder, firefighters, law enforcement, we're all on that same first responder frontline role. Uh, We care about you. We're glad you're here. And uh, our our paths intersect, and uh, it's my privilege to introduce uh, today a a, a man who's become a dear friend of mine. Uh, We met. I didn't know him. He probably didn't know I existed either. We were at a call at Econo Lodge, of all places, and uh, he was handling the, the medical end of things and I was looking into the law enforcement end of things and after things quieted down we introduced ourselves, got to know each other, later on had a cup of coffee together and very rapidly began to realize that we had a very kindred spirit. Uh, we love the Lord, uh, we love our first responders and we care about them. So, we began meeting, talking, and have just developed a great friendship. So Eric Roque is the Assistant Chief at Worcester Township Fire Department. Brother, if you would come, we'd love to, you, to hear what you have have for us, what God's laid on your heart. So thank you so much for joining us, and welcome.
2: So I'll start this morning uh, by kind of asking you a question. And I want you to think back uh, quite some time ago. It was Wednesday uh, morning of February 8, 2012. And I want to ask you, where were you guys at at that moment in time, February 8, 2012? What were you doing? What routine did you have? Were you working? Were you going to school? Were you dropping the kids off? Chances are you probably have no idea what you would do in February 8, 2012, right? That was over 12, uh, 10 years ago, right? But I, I know what I was doing and where I was at that morning. And so what is significant about February 8, 2012? It's the moment in time that I became a Christ follower and surrendered my life to God. You see, it was just before 9 a.m. on that Wednesday morning that I found myself sitting at the firehouse, okay, of all places, at the firehouse on a bed getting ready for work when i was faced with the decision to surrender to god and live and have eternal life or to live for myself and die spiritually i can still remember that morning crying out to god and how it felt and how it felt afterwards after repenting of my sin and the peace and freedom and joy that just flooded over me it's incredible how god works And while it was just another day for all of you, God was hard at work redeeming that which was lost, me. And it happened in an instant. His faithfulness happened in an instant. And so this morning, I just want us all to remember that no matter how mundane life feels sometimes, no matter how chaotic the world around you seems, particularly for first responders, we see all kinds of of tragedy and trauma, no matter how chaotic the world is around us, God is still sovereign and God is still at work and I'm a living proof of that and forever changed. You know, 10 years ago, someone took a chance and shared the gospel uh, to me. As a broke down, sinful young man, he took a chance. And it was a Baptist preacher who was a family friend. He knew I wasn't saved, He he knew where my heart was, but he took that chance, not knowing that that next morning I would be repenting and tor- turning towards the one who not only saves, but also sanctifies and makes you new. And for that, I'm grateful, grateful that he took that time and that opportunity to share God's love and God's word and his truth to me. And so you just never know at a gathering like this, the difference that it can have and, it, and that it can make and the difference that you can make. And so just keep that in mind, uh, not just for this morning, but as we live our lives. And this is as much a reminder for me as it is to all of, all of us here this morning. And so I don't have time to go through my, my whole testimony. I only get five minutes, according to Kurt, so I wanna to try to respect that. <laughs> um, but I say all that to say, first and foremost, that I stand before you, not only as a first responder, okay, not only as an assistant chief, because my badge says it, you know, not somebody that wears a pretty white shirt, but first and foremost, as a born-again child of God and so grace and one thing that i like to to, to remind myself and i want to i just want to bring up grace did not start with me and it does not end with me and so i have to pass that word on to others and not hoard it to myself and i think that's what we're trying to do this morning you've opened up your doors and um, you've invited us all to come in and so we, we appreciate it um, like kurt was saying uh, we met probably right around a year ago um, and it was one of those times. Where it was at the Econo Lodge, and he looks up and he looks at my name. He's like, "Oh, Roque, huh?" And I'm like, "Oh boy, nobody knows how to pronounce that name unless you know unless you know somebody." So I'm like, "How do you know me, right?" Uh, as it turns out, um, he's good friends with some family members, and just like he had said, we we got together, um, had coffee. Uh, it wasn't a, you know it was a couple months until I reached out to him. I just felt the Holy Spirit kind of telling me, hey, you need to reach out to this man. I think he's going to be able to help you. Um, I was kind of struggling, you know, how to, how to bring Christ in, in, in my workplace and, and those types of things. And so I met with Kurt and uh, come to find out we share a lot of the same values uh, and vision uh, in regards to first responders like he had mentioned already. And so back in May, we actually launched a first responders group. Um, And it was incredible. We had police, we had dispatchers, we had fire personnel uh, all at my house. And it was just an incredible time of fellowship. Many of you are here today and this morning. um, And so it's just been, and you can attest, it's just been a wonderful time to get to know one another. We've uh, dove into scripture, we've studied the Bible, we've prayed together, uh, we've shared one another's burdens. And yes, we've enjoyed some wonderful food, thanks to our wives, so thank you. Um, but we've grown together, and so I look forward to the continued work together as a group and look forward to see how God uh, will continue to use um, Kurt and I and the rest of our group um, in the first responder community. You see, you know, we see the worst of the worst, as you guys all know. It's a tough, jo- a tough job with high stress and circumstances uh, that sometimes are life-and-death moments, and we do it at all hours of the day, Right. Uh, 2 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and it just takes a toll spiritually, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And I say all that because I'm ex- as, as excited I am, as I am for the group, you know, we have a lot of ground to cover. We have a lot of work to do. And so we need your help, church body. We need your help, first and foremost, with prayer, prayer for discernment and prayer for godly direction with this, this group of first responders We need encouragement and support spiritually and emotionally. You know, things like this morning are exactly what we need, and we need that fellowship. And, again, I just want to thank you uh, so much in closing. Uh, Just continue to pray for our men. Pray for for Kurt as he continues to kind of help lead us, um, as he continues to, to work out with fear and trembling. What God has put on his heart, I pray that you just continue to pray for him. Pray for our group. Uh, Pray for first responders all over, and pray for our families, okay? Um, Being a first responder is really tough on the family unit, as many of you guys know, Um, and so continue to pray for our family. Not only do we need God's provision, but we need our family's support as well, and so it's very, very important that we, we stay unified in that. And so I just want to thank this church body for hosting this lovely event and inviting the community of first responders, and Uh, Even though my family and I, we don't attend here, um, it means a lot for me to come in and it means a lot that you guys are reaching out uh, to a people that so desperately need to hear uh, the truth of God's word, be encouraged and be loved. So thank you so much for having us.
3: Thank Thank you, Eric, very much. Appreciate your words and excited to see how God's working. And uh, just uh, the journey that we've been on the last few years as we partner with the Stauffers and others that God's now bringing and coalescing around them. And uh, we're grateful for uh, Eric, and I appreciate you sharing that. Very well said today. Uh, incidentally, his son is in Heidi's, my wife's, uh, class. She teaches uh, their son. And uh, so it's just interesting, all those little connections that you start. And uh, then, obviously, as he mentioned, our greatest connection is our need for Christ And uh, just as importantly and significantly, his love for us. And uh, so I trust you sense that today and that uh, God used those words. Um, Just uh, if I can't have our ushers come, we're going to pass out something today. This is for those who are not first responders. I guess if first responders want them, you're welcome to one. We're going to give you a wristband today. You saw little kids were wearing them that just sang a moment ago. I'd like to get one of these to each adult, each teenager in the room. And uh, these are... uh, for you to wear um, and uh, to remember our first responders. We've kind of made that our theme for today. Uh, Brother Stoffer thought that was a good idea to do, and I would concur with that. And it's specifically to remind you not just to um, maybe think of, we say, well, thinking of you, it, it's to remind you to pray for them. And uh, so I'm going to ask you to do two things uh, for me, if you will, and I, I'm covenanting with you to do the same. One, as I mentioned, wear the wristband, Uh, daily. And then number two, uh, in your bulletin, if you have in front of you, would you look at it for just a moment? There is a prayer that I wrote over first responders, uh, and I'm going to ask you, we'll pray maybe a portion of that at the end of the service as we have time today. But in there are four sections, if you notice in the bulletin, where we pray for their family, Um, We pray for their spiritual well-being, and and the list goes on. Those different areas, community, emotional health, family, as was just mentioned by uh, Eric, Brother Eric there, and then spiritual health. Um, And what I would ask you to do is weekly through the end of the year, they're coming into some very busy seasons uh, over the holidays especially, that through January 1st, so New Year's Day, that weekly, four times in that week, you pray through one section. So if you can choose four days in your week, for example, on Monday of this coming week, you could pray on their relationship with the community uh, and how they interact with the community, and then maybe on Tuesday, pray for their emotional health. But trying to hit those four boxes once a week, uh, our church, we're going to try to do that together. And uh, so I'd ask you to partner with me in that. The band, the wristband just gives you kind of a visual reminder of that. Does that make sense, what I'm asking and encouraging you to do? So once a week, pray over the first section, once a week over the second, and so forth. And try to get that through that four days in the week. Maybe pray through that as a family. Encourage your, your munchkins that were just in here, the kids as well, to do that. And hopefully that will guide our prayers. And it, for those of you who are first responders, we mean that. We want to pray for you. As Eric mentioned, there are a lot of times we don't know what to do or what to say. We don't understand everything you're navigating, but we can to go to God who does. And uh, so we're partnering together to do that over these next couple of months. All right? It is our joy today to have with us Judge Van Sickle. And uh, we just met for the first time um, this morning. And uh, he is a graduate of Triway High School and a local guy that served in a couple other places. But uh, he's been now in our municipal courts since 2013, right? And uh, so for the last decade or so, he's been serving in that capacity. Somebody was joking with me uh, before we started. They said, actually, we could get arrested today Um, We probably could get tried today. And then just so you know, I have jury duty in a week or two, so we could do the whole deal um, this morning and uh, send you on your way, if you know what I mean. But uh, anyway, hopefully that doesn't happen today. But it's our joy to have uh, Judge Van Sickle with us. And whether you understand this or not, there's a very key relationship between especially our law enforcement and those who serve on the bench um, and uh, they uh, are the ones who follow through on what's been arrested and the details that are related to that. And so they serve a, a vital role. And so we've asked the last couple of years our area judges to come and affirm what our first responders are doing, especially law enforcement, and then just encourage us from God's perspective. John Van, Van Sickle is a believer, knows Christ as a Savior. And so I appreciate him coming today, and uh, Lord bless you as you shared this morning. Thank you.
0: Well, now that I find myself behind the pulpit on the Sunday morning, I do have to make a confession. When Kurt asked me to uh, participate, two questions came to my mind. Well, two, two things. First, I thought, wow, what a, what a privilege to be able to stand here and do this. And number two, I wondered how many people said no before he got to me. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm glad to be here. Thank you uh, thank you for this uh, time. But as I spent some time thinking about uh, just what, uh, how we say thank you to first responders, I was thinking about the words, and I landed on the word first. And that's an important word because first is something important. It denotes, uh, obviously, being the first one to go, and being first is not always easy. It's not always safe. And uh, I, was <clears throat> excuse me. I was thinking about when I was uh, in elementary school. We were playing out alongside of a highway. And there, there was a drain pipe that was going under the highway. And the group of guys that I was with had decided that someone must crawl through the drain pipe to get to the other side. Now, you could cross the road and get to the other side without any problem, but we decided someone must crawl through it. And we had quite a vigorous debate over who should be first, because deep down, we all knew it wasn't safe, and it wasn't, uh, there was the unknown. It was dark, it was long, it was dirty. I'm glad to say I survived. (laughs) But, But being first isn't safe and it's not easy and for for the youth this was the 80s we didn't have cell phones that's what we did we played along highways and (laughs) but um, you know when you think about being first and the the uh, honor that goes with being first think about this almost everybody in this room probably knows the name of the first person to walk on the moon right does anyone know the name of the last person to walk on the moon? 1972, Harrison Schmidt. Only 12 people in the history of the world have walked on the surface of the moon, and nobody knows that guy's name, because he wasn't first. So there's, there's honor associated with being first. Now I, I am here to say thank you to our first responders, not just simply out of theory, but I'm gonna take a few moments and just share a personal experience. About five or six years ago, my parents were involved in a serious auto accident and it very nearly cost them their lives. They, uh, they were taken to the emergency room and I was notified. And as I was arriving at the emergency room, the Life Flight helicopter was approaching. And as I went into the emergency room, my, my mother, who was injured more severely, was, was in the emergency room. And she was literally uh, in in one of those situations where unless she gets to a major trauma center in about one hour or less, she is going to die. That was pretty apparent to everybody. And now I have to say something to her. And I I wish I could say that I said something meaningful, something something you would remember. But what I told her was, don't worry, the helicopter is landing. That's first responders. She's alive today because of first responders. And today it amazes me that there are so many people who stand ready to do those type of things. So on behalf of all of us, but me personally, thank you. The last thing I want to say, last thing I want to say, is that uh, we all need a first responder. God's word tells us that apart from Jesus Christ, we are perishing. We need a first responder. Now, we don't dial 911 to get that first responder. That first responder, Jesus Christ, will not come with lights and sirens. Matter of fact, it'll be the opposite. Probably a still small voice. But today, if you are perishing and do not know Jesus Christ, today is a good day to place that call. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Judge. Appreciate your words and uh, those anecdotal illustrations of it. It's, it's personal, isn't it? It's not just in principle. And uh, until you're in that moment, you don't realize how much you need them and how much they're there for those of us that uh, have that need. All right, let's stand together. We'll sing a couple more songs together of worship. And then Brother Stoffer will come give us our teaching from God's Word today.
4: A wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. A wonderful Savior to me. He has God His perfect salvation i You anxious soul, now and see, there is perfect love and comfort in your tears. Rest here in his wondrous peace. Oh, the goodness, the goodness of Jesus, satisfied. He is all
1: Isn't it a joy to know we have men and women in places such as Judge Van Sickle representing our Lord in positions as high as that. So thank you, brother. Appreciate you being here. Uh, and it has been a delight to get to know uh, Eric and his family. Uh, I found out he had three boys. Now, he's, we're a little further down the, the road than Mr. Roque is. But we have three boys, so it's fun to... When we got to meet him and his wife and the kids, it was pretty exciting. And uh, it was how LeVon met Eric was actually really exciting. We uh, Eric and I had got to know each other. We'd have breakfast here and there. It's like, sweetie, we got to get together with this couple. They seem like special people. Well, last year we had a uh, praise and pie fellowship in November. On our way home from that, this deer decided to total my truck. <laughs> so we're... It's hard to drive with all your airbags off. If you've never tried it, it is, it is really a challenge. But we got pulled off side of the road, and, and uh, Worcester Township responded, and Eric was there. It's like, hey, I want you to meet my wife. And he's like, Kurt, I really didn't think this is how all this would happen. No, I didn't either. But, uh, but what a dear man in his life. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 will be our text today, and when you, when you have an opportunity to speak like this, you, you've been waiting in this text individually for weeks and perhaps months, and I'm trying to remind myself that y'all haven't been, so I'm going to try to bring us all together where, where my brain has been. There are two characters in this text primarily, the Apostle Peter. And a Gentile, and Gentile is just a non-Jewish person, which most of us, I would be Gentile. A Gentile named Cornelius. But when we look at a text of Scripture, it's, it's important for us to remember who is the main character. It's not Peter and it's not Cornelius, it's God. Anytime we go to Scripture, what is God doing is what we need to be thinking and how we need to be examining the text. This text is no different. So to catch us all up on what is going on in Acts chapter 10, let's go back to the Garden of Eden, which is a... We're going to race clear to Acts 10 real fast. Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they populated the earth. Many, many people came. And God, as sin entered, God decided that he was going to bring salvation. So in order to reveal himself to us as people... He chose the Jewish nation. He chose the children of Israel to reveal himself. So he picked these people. And the Old Testament is just what is God doing with these people. The Jewish nation, this history of the Old Testament. They had prophets, they had priests, they had kings. And all of those examples, all of that history is pointing to this redeemer that would come, that would save us. This Messiah, this Way of salvation. That's what the Old Testament is pointing to. Well, Jesus Christ, as Judge Vansickle reminded us, is that Messiah, is that way of salvation. He came through what people? The Jewish people. So as Christ came, as a Jew, his 12 apostles were Jewish. They ministered to, once Christ ascended and went to heaven, they were ministering to... Jews, and yet even in the Old Testament, we're pointed to the reality that Jesus Christ was going to be the Savior of the world. That's what's happening in Acts 10. It hasn't happened yet. The Jewish people had the Savior. The Gentiles did not. And these two worlds are about to collide. That is Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, let's read the first eight verses to get us started. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him, saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them unto Joppa. So as you have the opportunity to to talk to a group of first responders, I thought, wouldn't it be neat to get a scriptural example of a first responder? Who's Cornelius? He's a centurion. He was a leader. I don't know if any of you out there in First responders, uh, have a hundred men under your command. But this guy did. Now, it, it had some military connotation as well. But if anything went south in Caesarea, who was there? Cornelius. Or a man similar to Cornelius. So I thought, let's let's look at this. And so there's a lot going on. Like I told you, there's the Jewish Peter mind and the Gentile Cornelius mind. We're going to look at these this chapter through the lens of Cornelius. Much could be said about what God did in Peter's life to bring him to recognize this point, but we're going to look at this through the eyes of Cornelius. Verse 2, it tells us a little bit about him. He was a devout man. He was religious. He was pious. He wasn't sloppy. He wasn't self-absorbed. He was mindful of these things. He feared God that he had a profound reverence for God. He gave much alms, it tells us. So he had great mercy and and compassion for the poor. Very tangibly, he gave to the poor. And he prayed. Always. So he recognized his need under God. That's who this man was. And if you'll let me flip ahead to verse 22, Cornelius' men introduced him this way. He's a just man, one that fears God, and of a good report among all the nation of the Jews. So that's who this Cornelius is. Would you love to have him as a neighbor? Absolutely. Absolutely you would. And yet this is who he is, He was praying about the ninth hour, which is about three o'clock in the afternoon, and this angel comes and says, Cornelius, now mind you, Cornelius is who? A centurion with a hundred men under him. A messenger of God comes to him, and he responds like a child. What is it, Lord? So I stopped as I was studying that. I said, boy, isn't it odd in our day today, people speak as though they visited an angel, and we high-fived and we had a chat. Hmm. Not the messenger's godsend. Here you had a man of great authority, and he looked on him and was afraid, and said, what is it, Lord? In verse 5 and 6, it says, Now send men to Joppa, call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Peter is going to be summoned to Cornelius. But Cornelius here is told, What you're doing, your prayers, your alms, your devotion, your fear of God, God sees that. But you're missing something. So you call for this Peter, he'll come and he'll help you see what you're missing. That's where we are in this this text. And how did he respond? When the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants immediately. God is telling me there's something I need to do, when am I going to do it? Right now. Right now, Cornelius takes two servants and a soldier that waited on him continually sent them to Joppa. Go find Simon Peter. He's supposed to come tell me what I ought to do. So they went. Now verses 9 to 23, for the sake of time, like I said, we're going to focus on Cornelius. 9 to 23 is is Peter. What God is doing in Peter's life, because Peter is a Jewish apostle for Christ. Christ is a Jew, this is for Jews, but God is about to send him to a Gentile. So God did a lot of amazing things in Peter's life to bring us to verse 24, where we're going to pick up our reading again, okay? In your own time, it was, it's a beautiful story to look through. But our first point this morning would be Cornelius' immediate response. Angel says, go get Peter, done. Immediately we're going to obey. In verse 24 is where I got our title for this morning, an expectant first responder. Verse 24 reads, in the morrow, after they entered into Caesarea, this is the group, the uh, Cornelius' servants and Peter's group coming into Caesarea. And Cornelius waited for them. He had called together his kinsmen and friends. Oh, would you have done this? I want you to go get this guy. He's going to come tell you what you ought to do. Well, if I'm going to be given instructions, I want a whole room full of people. That can hear what I'm supposed to do. So they can help hold me accountable for what I'm supposed to do. That's how we all think, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, sure it is. <laughs> That's how he thought. I love that. I'm this angel told me I'm missing something. I don't want to miss anything. I think two things are going on here in Cornelius' mind. One, I think I'm being told, I'm going to be given instructions. I want everybody I know, family, kindred, neighbors, I want them in my home to hear what I'm supposed to do because I'm serious about this. This isn't some game I'm playing. If I'm to do it, I want to do it, and I want you all to hold me accountable for doing it. Amen. I read that and I think, oh, God, make that my heart. I don't want, ah, Levon, you don't really need to know what I'm supposed to do. No, you need to know. I need the help. And I think secondly, if this messenger of God is going to come and tell me what I ought to do, this is important. Who else do I want to know this? Everybody I know, I want to know this. So Cornelius amasses this group of people in his home, called together his kinsmen and near friends. So secondly, second point, Is he prepared, he was prepared to be taught. If this messenger is coming, I am going to be totally prepared to listen, retain it, and obey it. Amazing to me. And then continue in verse 25. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet, and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. So I read this and I think, oh, Cornelius, what a a bad move. And it was, and Peter corrected it immediately. Who deserves worship? God alone. Peter corrected it. But what does that tell us about Cornelius' heart? I am all in. If God is sending a messenger to me, I'm all in. You are here, whatever, yes, I'm in. So his action was improper. But I think if we can look into that, I think it was a genuine desire to obey and respect this messenger God sent. And he said unto them, this is Peter speaking, you know how that is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one, unto one of another nation. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore I came unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for. I ask therefore for what intent have ye sent for me? So Peter came now to Cornelius and said, I'm here, what do you want? And Cornelius explained, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard. Thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the sea, who, when he cometh, shall speak to thee. Immediately, therefore, I send unto thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, all we are here present before God to hear all things that are commanded of thee of God. So Peter asked, Cornelius, what do you want? Well, I was fasting. God told me to send for you, and you did good, obeying to come. We're all here to listen. Tell us what you'd have to say wow, wow, and this, this is a Gentile. This is a first responder. This isn't some willy-nilly guy that we think, oh, yeah, that's just, no, no. But this guy knew his sustenance is in God, and God just told me there's something I need that I don't have, and I want to know what that is. So they were positioned to hear. Verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. That's new for Peter. And we're going to just read over that, but that's a big verse in Peter's mind. God isn't a respecter of the Jew or the Gentile. Man, woman, black, white, rich, poor, God is no respecter of persons. But in every Every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness, is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Cornelius, you're sitting down, you're wanting to hear what God has for me to say. Here it begins. Jesus Christ is the one who gives us peace. Are we in a land now that lacks peace? We are. In our own lives. We can look outside across the tracks and say, yeah, there, that, that's. And I, I, it's even in, in uh, the in, in, uh, God's, or Christ's Sermon on the Mount. He called, well, these are the peacekeepers. They should be called the children of God. Well, that's cops. We're peacekeepers. Yeah. Are we really? When, when we leave a domestic, is there peace there? Or did you just stop the war for a moment? This is talking about peace. Peace with God. That no matter what happens, today, tomorrow, ever, we have peace with God. Through, there's one way it's through, Jesus Christ. The word I say you know, which was published throughout in verse 37, all Judea and began from Galilee and after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And we are witness of of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. So God anointed this to be the one who went about doing good, healing those oppressed with the devil. And the world responded how? They killed him. They slew him and hanged him on a tree. They crucified him on the cross. But he was the Prince of Peace. He was the plan, the Messiah, the one through whom salvation was to come. So death could not hold him. Three days later, he rose from the dead. Cornelius, you might know these as facts. But you need to do business with these realities. Through Jesus, we can have peace with God. Through Jesus, he was anointed by God. He paid the penalty of sin on the cross. Then in verse 42, And he commanded us to preach unto the people, and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. So who is this Jesus Cornelius, he is the judge of the quick, which is what? The quick is the living. So Jesus is the judge of the living and the dead. That's pretty much all of us. So through Jesus, we have peace with God. Through Jesus, we have remission of sin at the cross. And he is our judge. Everyone's judge. Verse 43. To him, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. All the prophets, what is that talking about? All that Old Testament, those prophets that foretold this and, and instructed this, all of that was pointing to who? Who? Jesus, all of that was pointing to him, that whosoever believeth in him, you listening Cornelius, you give alms, you do a lot of neat things, but you don't have, you don't get this, I'm trying to help you, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins, and then a wonderful verse this is the next verse. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles was also poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, how did Cornelius respond to this new information that he didn't know before? He believed. He believed. And God demonstrated that by giving the Holy Spirit just like happened to the Jews. So as God was working all of this, the Jewish nation, the Gentile nation, boom, Christ is to go to all the world. This, Christ, was what Cornelius was missing. Many in our days... Are missing this. Remember how Cornelius was described. It's not about the good things. Cornelius you may do. Cornelius did good things. It's not about the religion you may have. Cornelius was religious. It is not about the money you give to the poor. Cornelius gave money to the poor. It's not about your profession. He ministered to people in, in just, with justice. It's about what will you do with Jesus. The peace of God comes only through Jesus. John 14 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man will come to the Father but by me. There's one way. God made that way. And Cornelius was in the midst of it, but he didn't know that. My prayer is that you're not in the midst of that and don't know that. What will you do with Jesus? Cornelius did not know it, but God sent a messenger to share with him what he was missing. And he was missing the main thing, a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe, our text says, on the Lord Jesus Christ if you believe that Jesus is who he said he was and did what he said he did, it will transform every element of your life. What will you do with Jesus? Let's pray.